0: Welcome to the Parable Podcast. I'm Danielle Zapchank. Today, we are going to talk about how God lovingly cares for us and provides direction in our own lives. I can't wait for you to meet William Ajay. He took some time to share with us how God's providence impacted his Terrible story.
1: I think about the fact that this godly universe made every one of us unique and for a purpose. And if you add everyone who's ever lived plus everyone who will ever live, you've got billions and billions of people. And not a single one of them is like the other. What that really tells is that you were created for a very specific and particular purpose. And the world would be deprived if you did not fill that role because there would be no one else who would or could do it.
0: Here's my conversation. Conversation with William and Jay. William, thank you so much for being with us. Can you share a little bit about who you are, what you do?
1: Well, Danielle, first of all, thank you for having me. Always a good opportunity to get to share a little bit about this broader narrative that we all have, which is God at work intervening in, in our lives. So I am originally from Ghana in West Africa. My father's profession took us around the world. So I, I grew up in five countries, uh, the U.S., the U.K., so England, Scotland, and then Nigeria, high school in Ghana and then came to college in the U.S. And today, I work day-to-day with a company called CBRE. And CBRE is the world's largest uh, real estate services firm. And I manage uh, some business within within CBRE. Uh, We provide real estate services to investors, large occupiers, and certain real estate services to help them solve business problems of various kinds. So I've been with them for about 18 years and manage a very large team. I have about 140, 150 people on my team and then have some other regional and global responsibilities in addition to that. But even just a career journey has been a definitely a story of God's providence in, in my life in many ways. So I have a wife. I have four kids, ages uh, 14, 12, 10, and just turned nine. Boy, girl, boy, girl. So we are right in the middle of the throes of fun and full and active life. We have been homeschooling for about six years, and last year, after a couple years of praying about it, God led my wife and I, together with another couple, to actually launch a classical Christian school. We're calling it year zero of uh, our experience with that. We we have 18 kids, seven teachers, and we're building towards what we call year one next August, where we kind of want to launch with a little bit more skill. But That's also been another amazing story of even how we got, and we never set out to do this, but the other big story that we have going on. So that's maybe high level about me. There's more, but... I'll I'll let you ask the questions and probe.
0: Sure. So, I mean, gosh, that's just a few things going on then. I mean, that's pretty amazing that you and your wife have chosen to just kind of have this idea of this school. So has education been really important to you over your life? Uh, Yeah,
1: I would have to say it it has been. And I think that one one of the, the frameworks that helps me think about it is First of all, from the perspective of a Christian, you know, when the God of the universe decided to reveal himself to us, uh, yes, he did so in the form of a person and through his amazing creation, but he also saw to it that this was codified in the Bible. And in the study of the Bible, we learn about this God and we experience him and we get to use that to make sense of life and make sense of the world. So I think that alone is a mandate for all of education. And you go to Colossians 117, in him we move and live and have our being and everything um, exists for him and through him and he's a sustainer of all things. So Christ's at the center of it all and he's at the center of learning. And so learning is actually a divine mandate for all of us. So that in context, my dad was a university professor and so he did that. He taught mathematics and physics, so he was a theoretical physicist. And my mom actually went back to, after kids left home, she went back to get a master's and also taught for a number of years. And then on my wife's side, her mom, dad, and the three girls, she's a middle sister, were all teachers. My brother-in-law is a teacher. So everyone around around us have been one way or another involved in education. That wasn't a driver for starting a school, but the, the context of education has always been a very core part of our family's profile.
0: So for somebody who has moved around a lot, you said you started in Ghana, you ended up in the United States for college. How would you say that seeing that perspective of different communities, different cultures that you lived in, how has that shaped your relationship with God?
1: It's hugely done so. The first thing I think about is, you know, we Are creatures of comfort, creatures of habit. And so we learn to live life and do things based on what we're familiar with and what we have been surrounded with growing up. And so that becomes our norm, and that becomes actually the right way. And then you have this funny thing happen when you encounter life in a different context or you meet different people and you're thrust into a very unfamiliar, maybe even chaotic situation from your interpretation. But then along the way, you start to realize life works. They've been doing it this way. Different than I know it, but if I take a breather and I figure out what's going on, I can I can understand and I can I can survive. I can make it work. So I think that it's been a it's been an upbringing that I would not change. I would do it all over again, live in all those places because I think it taught me versatility how to be adaptable, how to not panic when change hits you, but take a breather and figure things out. And God has always been providential in that way, providing ways to adapt and, you know, make, make it work. And it's it served me very well along life's journey.
0: I can imagine that that versatility and change in your relationship with God, but also just as a father, as a husband, as in the boardroom, like you have to have this spirit of versatility because things change. I mean, just think about the last 18 months, you know, of our life and our world. There's a lot that's going on. So, gosh, thank you so much for that perspective of having that idea of change in our life. William, what would you say the parable story that you'd like to share with us today. What is something that has impacted your life that you have learned from what God's trying to do within you?
1: It is a story of God's providence. And I think about the fact that this God of the universe uh, who spans the bookends of time made every one of us unique and for a purpose. And of all the 7.8, 7.9 billion people alive today, and if you add everyone who's ever lived plus everyone who will ever live, you've got billions and billions of people and not a single... One of them is like the other. And so what that really tells you and I and everyone listening is that you were created for a very specific and particular purpose. And the world will be deprived if you did not fill that role because there would be no one else who would or could do it. And that, that means that we are unique. We're extremely significant in God's plan and we're important. And there shouldn't be any reason why you don't feel cared for, provided for. The phrase I like to use is God will never prepare you through life, provide for you the family, the life stories and context, the training, the education, the experiences. He would do all that and then get you to the edge of a cliff somewhere and say, okay, now you're on your own. Go figure it out. There's always a purpose and a design and a reason behind what He does. So do not despair. Look to that and allow that to propel you on even when things seem harried or confusing or ambiguous or you don't even know what answer is going to come from. God is always watching and He's always seeing it. So the story then is a story of my sophomore year in college. I lived off campus. Uh, I was living on a, on a small stipend uh, between college scholarship and um, for academics and also for track and field. So it was actually a really great privilege to get to go to college and not have any debt, but that would provide some constraints as an athlete because we couldn't work or receive certain kinds of monies. So the budget was still tight in that sense from day-to-day living. And early in high school, when I started, you know, kind of having and managing money on my own, our family had committed to and, and we had been taught as kids to be faithful with giving and always put aside, they say 10%, but put aside a portion of your money consistently to honor God's work and to recognize his providence you know in and around us and so I had made that commitment that I I had kept all the way through and it was something that I considered extremely important well fast forward to this one particular month where for a variety of reasons between bills I had to pay food that I needed on the table that day or that month and my commitment to continue with that that commitment of, of tithing I just had enough money either either to buy groceries for the next two weeks, or that Sunday to give my tithe. And I remember wrestling with God about this. Surely, you don't want me to go hungry. Surely, you know, you provide, you understand this is a need. It's not a want. And try as I may, I was unable to have any peace about doing anything other than giving that tithe in church. So, I just, you know, I didn't tell anybody about it. It was between God and I. And I just said, all right, well, if that's what we have to do, you know, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. And so at that time, I didn't have a vehicle. And there was a family that was gracious in picking me up and dropping me off out to church. So they showed up uh, as normal, typical Sunday, picked me up, went to church, and I gave my tithe. And then at the end of the service, you know, we did all the hang We came back home, and, and then they dropped me off. So I get out of the car. I'm on my way going in. And they stopped me. So Nate was was the friend uh, and his wife who, who drove me and, and Nate Nate calls and says, "Hey William, um, do you have a, do you have a minute?" I said, "Sure." And he gets out of the car, walks around to the back of the vehicle, and opens the trunk, and there's two weeks worth of groceries. And I didn't know what to say because, one, I had never told anyone my dilemma, but more importantly, never before or after had anyone even provided or asked about how I was making ends meet. So it wasn't as if there was something ongoing that people were aware of and they were just trying to, they knew that I had this ongoing need. So for me, it just spoke very powerfully of how God sees and knows and He cares for us. And what that has done since then, it it's really shaped my unyielding commitment to be a generous giver. And, you know, interestingly enough, I would say that my passion for giving has grown since that time, and the way that our family does giving has grown and expanded, and I can't keep up with God. He out-provides even the years where I think, wow, this is a big, big commitment for us to give in this way. I mean, God just blesses us in multiples over and above that, and you just can't really out-give. And so... That's been a huge encouragement to me when you know there are times you might ask yourself, is this a wise use of the money or could I just put this aside and do it, use it for this other thing? I am always encouraged by being able to give openly and freely knowing that God is the one who's in control of it all. He's going to make it good and he's going to take care of us so we're not being deprived or left-hanging by helping someone else out or giving in, in this way. And that's that's been a big part for, for me. So I have I've enjoyed the privilege of it, but I'll say that I feel more blessed by, by doing that. So it's it's been a, a really cool experience. And all that happened, you know, 20-something years ago, it still is a pivot within that shapes the way I think about, you know, living today.
0: Thank you for sharing that, William, because I think it's sometimes in those little moments, you know, of Nate bringing you those groceries. And I, I think you were struggling with that internally, thinking, how is God going to provide? And it's, it's simple ways. And so, I mean, that was pivotal for you, but also for us listening, I think we can go back if we have some time to reflect, we probably can see those people like Nate in our lives as well, because God, he's doing that over and over and over. So... That's such a cool story. And I'm so glad that that is something that sticks out to you and that you can remember and hold on to. You said in another interview, what you're just talking about, you cannot plan or outplan God because sometimes he's going to put detours in your life. And sometimes if you kind of miss those detours, you're just kind of trying to go like three blocks over. I think that's kind of what you were saying. But that's so true in the the idea of giving and, and sharing our time and our talents is that we have this idea of a plan in our life, or what is supposed to be happening, or this is what our groceries are for this week. Tell me how, you know, have you had a couple other instances like that where you have this plan of your life, but maybe there's a detour, and you're having that struggle of deciding, do I go to that detour, or do I stick to my plan?
1: It's a great take off of this old concept of God providing and God having a, a purpose and a plan for us. So one story that comes to mind is one at work. There's a Christian brother at work who one day we walk in and I could tell, you know, because we're on those terms, that something just wasn't right. He was a little bit unsettled. And so pulled him aside into a little conference room. we were talking. He was just expressing something he was going through that he was, you know, a little bit perturbed and, and worried about. And around that time, I had, I don't know if it was my devotion for that day, it was just a verse that was sort of on my mind, but Proverbs uh, 16, 3, commit to the Lord whatever you do and your plans will succeed. And then 16, 1, to man belongs the plans of the heart, but from the Lord comes a reply on the tongue. And those two verses are really exactly what you're talking about. First, We make our plans, and we determine what we think we want to do. But at the end of the day, it's the Lord in His sovereignty and in His providence that prepares the way. But the the more powerful one for me is Proverbs 16.3. And we can easily run over this one. There's actually a message by Tim Keller on this particular topic. Commit to the Lord whatever you do and your plans will succeed. Many times we commit to the Lord our plans. We say, I'm going to carry this thing out. I'm going to go here, do this. I have this big objective. Or we take the big rocks to him. And then we say, well, I can take care of all the activities on my own. I can take care of the little stuff. But if we read carefully, commit to the Lord whatever you do and your plans will succeed. And so the the lesson there is actually it's our activities and the small stuff and the details and the minor things in the day-to-day. That is what we put in front of the Lord. And then because we are playing in His economy, in His domain, we are His children in His world, He will then allow his purposes to shine through he will take our activities turn them into the materialization or the realization of his big plans and it all connects that way so it's a little bit of a, a flip on it so from that uh, moment my friend and i called ourselves members of the 16 uh, club and we were the only ones who knew what that meant but it just is a, always a great reminder when you get thrown a curveball just remember commit those steps and actions those little things to God and he will uh, he will make your plans pan out in his great great providence.
0: I think too for our, our world and our culture right now Succeeding is the pinnacle. And I think for the Christian life, we have to kind of reset that in our mind. Sometimes success is going to be growth, and it's going to be challenge, and it's going to be hardship. It's not going to look like this picture-perfect lifestyle once you become a Christian, because Jesus didn't live that life. He, He suffered, and he had challenges, but he still consistently sought after God through it all. And so I think that just what you were saying in that of just having that growth and just wanting to, like... Seek after God and and commit everything to Him because that's what He's all about. Thanks for sharing that. I'm gonna I'm gonna remember that first today. <laughs> so William, you're on the board of Resource Global, is that right?
1: That is right.
0: Tommy Lee, he was on episode ten. Resource Global is about giving resources to the next generation of leaders. Why is that important for you? And is that like connected to your parable story in any way, or just how you lead your life as a Christian? Yes.
1: Uh, Resource Global fills a very unique niche in the broader sort of ecosystem of, of God at work. You, you've got churches, you've got seminaries, you have all these parachurch, um, and, and all of us, we're all ministers, right? But... I think the unique vision of finding and being drawn and pulling together cohorts of young marketplace leaders, believers who God has equipped either through their education, their family or other giftedness to be an influence and have an impact in the city where God has placed them and providing them mentorship and providing them a community where they can collaborate and really do amazing gospel-oriented things for that city. For me, it's just a very amazing place for Resource Global to serve. I think more importantly, the really, really exciting and encouraging stories of God's providence through that model is what really keeps um, what we're doing uh, going. So I'm actually at the end of my six or seven years on the board. I spent the last year as, as chair. And I think for, for me, God has given me a passion to be an encourager and a mentor, I feel, to a lot of more younger and upper up-and-coming professionals. So people, college, stage, after college, young, you know, kind of married, that sort of like middle-of-life window, I just have a, a deep passion for it. And I know that because I my fifth grader, my 10-year-old at church, I teach Sunday school for those fifth graders. And As great as that is, I know that it's not quite my, like I'm not the youth pastor or the Sunday school teacher type guy, even though I enjoy it. But I feel that the opportunity to engage with someone who's wrestling with maybe some of the more existential and difficult questions of life at the time they're going through it and be able to share some of my experience, that gives me so much encouragement and excitement. And I'm drawn to them, drawn to that intellectual exchange and that real life exchange of someone who's wrestling with those those issues. So yeah, it's a personal passion and I really am excited about what Tommy and the whole team are doing at Resource Global and will continue to do as God blesses and provides.
0: So we have an eight and an eleven year old boy and a girl, and it is interesting when I think that I understand something in my faith and then I have to explain it to them. Or they ask those like tough questions. I really have to think and like take a moment to be like, whoa, I never thought of it like that. That's so great that you're like just having those conversations obviously with your kids, but those fifth graders, because I just remember my youth pastors and like those people that led small groups as, as little kids. Maybe I don't even remember their name anymore, but those memories are so impactful because we need other humans in our lives, other people than our parents that can just share and impart wisdom and just love us. So thank you for, for choosing to like spend that time with them every Sunday. So that's great. William, what would you say if we could just like close out the, our time together, if somebody is struggling, if they're confused, and they're just not getting that clarity, or seeing or understanding providence in their life, what would you say to encourage them?
1: Well, uh, without a doubt, you know, the the first thing obviously is to go to God in prayer and bring your petition to Him. You know, He knows and He sees, He understands, He hears, even before we can formulate what the confusion is. So that's always a starting point. And it's not a linear thing where you pray and then you move on. It's a continual posture. So throughout, you know, you're, you're always coming back and circling back to, to God. And then I would say even at the end of the journey, the praise part and the thank you part, right? It's not, we we get our gifts and we go. We are there to develop a deeper relationship with him. So through it, it's an opportunity to grow. Number two, sometimes it's not about a problem to solve. Sometimes it's about a learning opportunity. And when we look at issues as execution problems, or even, I would say like blaming or one one way or another, where we're trying to find like something to point to or hang our hat on. Yes, we're there to learn certain things, but it's much more than just that issue in ourselves. A lot of times, what we're going through is because God is trying to do just something bigger. And so is there a way to almost, I like the image of, okay, we're on the dance floor. I'm going to walk up to the balcony and look at myself and look at what's happening in and around me and learn from that. And so it's almost like you're removing yourself from the situation just to kind of see what's going to have a bigger perspective. And a lot of times in that bigger perspective, we learn a lot. Uh, Number three, also so I have found for me that my biggest funks or struggles are when I am very myopically focused on myself. And if I can pause and turn that attention towards someone else in doing that, directing that focus and attention away from me and to others, I generally seem to find release and find an answer and find resolution. And so that's an encouragement, like look to others, not only to your own interests, it's the Philippians, you know, for passage there and. And then, yeah, use it as a learning opportunity not just for that moment, but what it's God teaching in the bigger picture and always just bring it to him in the prayer.
0: That's so true. I think the myopically focused is probably one I get caught in its snares often just because I think I, I just remind myself if I'm ever using the word never, always I'm just kind of compounding it and, and just making it way more negative and over the top than it needs to be and realizing, you know, there's a bigger picture here. I mean, even when we look at the Bible. I mean, I was just reading about Abraham, and he had promised him something. And then it was like years before that promise came to fruition. So sometimes we have to, like you said, like open up our perspective and realize God is still at work. It just may not be on our own timetable. (laughs) So, Well, William, thank you so much. Your your kindness just exudes through the screen. So thank you so much for just sharing your heart and your story and helping us better understand uh, God's providence in our life and I'm grateful for the time that we shared today so thank you so much
1: well thank you also it was a uh, really neat opportunity to get to meet you and uh, have a conversation and again this is all God at work right intervening in, in our life. so we all the praise and glory goes to him
0: you know, it's a great reminder for me today after hearing William's story to remember that God, he has full providence over our lives. He loves us so much. and. We need to check where our hearts are when we are giving, when we are serving in our community or church. or going about our day to day. So every week we have a couple of takeaway questions that we want you to reflect and think a little bit about over what we discussed today. The first question is, think about last week, the last seven days of your life, and just take some time and look for the ways that God's providence was there. How did he show up? Secondly, William kind of expressed and shared about being myopically focused. And really, you know, that's kind of like zooming in on this one single thing in our lives. So how can we zoom out, kind of see the bigger picture, have a better understanding of what's going on? So what is one thing that maybe you've been doing that a lot of lately in your life? How have you been myopically focused about one thing? How can you zoom out and better understand maybe what God is trying to accomplish? or just have a better perspective. Thank you so much for listening. A fun way that you can continue to support the Parable Podcast and our future conversations is simply by subscribing to the show wherever you listen to a podcast. And I'd love it if you could leave a rating or review. It really helps people better connect with the show and learn that this podcast exists. You can also join the Parable Podcast email list. You can hear great stories on the show, but this is my way of sharing some of my funny, messy, real-life situations that I'm currently learning. Just think of it as a little encouragement in your inbox once a month. If you have any questions or you want more information about today's episode, all of the show notes are at DanielleZapchank.com. You know, I'd love to connect with you too. I'll be hanging out on Instagram or Facebook. It's at Danielle Zapchank. That is Z-A-P-C-H-E-N-K. That is going to do it for today. Thank you so much for spending time with me. Remember, God's providence is in your life and it showcases your parable story. We'll see you back again next week on the Parable Podcast.